Hi, welcome back to Escape Leaving Hell Behind. In this podcast, we talk with people who have left an overbearing religion or cult behind. We are back again today, and I'm here with my guests. Why don't you introduce yourself and what high demand religion you left? My name is Amber, and I am an ex Mormon. It's great to have you here today. And now, why don't you tell us a little bit about why you decided to leave? That one, that's a loaded like question. <laughs> that's not really one you can nutshell, but I'll do my best. I was a member from, I was born in the church. So I was blessed as a baby, baptized when I was eight. I got married very young at 16. And then I was sealed in the temple on our first anniversary. So I was only 17 when I was sealed. I was active my whole life until I was 36 years old. I went through periods of times where I wasn't worthy to have a temple recommend, but I never went inactive. So I was active from the time I was born until I was almost 37 years old. And there were multiple things that led up to me leaving. But ultimately, I I got married a few times, which as many people know, is frowned on. You get married once forever for eternity. And now I guess you don't even get your own planet for it or whatever. But that's how how it's supposed to go is you stay married forever. Well, I had been married a few times and my third marriage was we were sealed in the temple and it was a very violent marriage and there was some abuse that was really, really bad. And I didn't realize I was being abused. I thought we were just were hard on each other. I definitely fought back. And so he would say he was abused. And there came a point that I had to go to the bishop because I was scared for my life. And I had been in the hospital. I'd had to have reconstructive surgery. And at the time I went to the bishop, I had staples in my head because of this marriage. It was the staples were from the surgery I'd had due to just an an injury. He hit me really, really hard. And I went to the bishop and I said, I'm scared. And anyone who knows me knows I'm really not scared of much. Spiders, yes. You know, I mean, there's the random things, but I said, I'm scared and I don't know what to do because I have this uh, temple marriage and I'm scared of my husband. And my husband at the time had come from, he had done some really awful things in his life that I'm not going to divulge, but he shouldn't be free. And he is because they were covered up by the church. I didn't find this out until after we were married. And so at this point that I went to the bishop, I knew the things he had done. And I knew he had had what a lot of people refer to as an Alma the Younger conversion, where he had just one day decided he wanted the church and started going back to church and ended up temple worthy. I guess in the eyes of that particular bishop, he was temple worthy. And there we were married and I was scared. And so the bishop looked at me and he said, you know where he came from. You know the things he's been through and you know that you mean everything to him. And if you leave him, he will leave the church. Do you want that on your shoulders? And I was like, nope, nope, I can't have that on my shoulders. I'm going to stay. And I didn't leave for a few years after that. It was, I think it was about two years that I finally did leave. But that was definitely when I started questioning. I was, would have been about 34. And that's when I wondered, because I knew that the bishop had given me the advice that he felt was the right advice. But it made me question where his authority, I guess, I mean, as my bishop, where was he getting that advice? Where was he getting those answers? And why was he suggesting that I stay when the reality was I was accepting a death sentence by staying in that marriage? I knew at some point he would kill me, but I also knew that I was doing what I was told. So then once you start questioning your bishop, you have to question their leader, which is your state president. 
And then you have to question their leader and their leader all the way up to where the church started. Because if your leader is not getting revelation or divine inspiration, why are they your leader? And where was that breakdown? If that makes sense. Yeah, that makes total sense. So now you started questioning and then what happened after that? Oh, well, I mean, I put it on the shelf. That's what you do. You're told to put it on the shelf. That's why so many ex-Mormons talk about their shelf breaker. What was that final shelf breaker? I put it on the shelf and decided to just pray harder. And I was going to the temple weekly. So I continued going to the temple. I had three stepchildren and I, I had three biological children. And then he had children. I didn't want to lose them. And so in my mind, it made sense to put it away because the bishop knew better. And we were to doubt our doubts, but it was always lingering. Like, even though it was on the shelf, I could still see that shelf, even though it wasn't front and center on my lap, that issue was always visible and always there. And about two years later, about probably a year and a half later, actually, my daughter married woman and I was in the young women's presidency at the time. And so that kind of rocked my world. It was also around the time that the church came out and said, gay children of gays could not be baptized. It was all that same year. I want to say it was November, October, November. And that didn't rock me. (laughs) That didn't, for whatever reason, that did not rock me. I mourned the loss of my child. I felt like she, in being a part of the LGBTQ community and in actually following through and getting married, that she was giving up her eternity. And I, I really mourned that. I was sad for that. But you know, none of that really bothered me as much as wondering why the bishop would ask me to stay with someone who could kill me because that wasn't my choice. And I felt like, you know, my daughter had made a bad choice in in marrying the same sex. So shortly after that, it would have been about eight months after that, my mother, for whatever reason, came over and she didn't often just drop in, but she happened to drop in that day. And I was just having a bad day. I was just sad that day. And my mom said, you know, what's going on? You don't seem okay. And finally she said, is he still hitting you? Because they knew he had hit me. And I said, mom, it depends on the day. It just depends. Like today he didn't. He hasn't for a while, meaning a few weeks. And I, I don't remember how the rest of that day went. I remember my dad called me that night. And my dad never calls me. He's too busy. <laughs> He's too busy to call us. And I didn't answer because I knew why he was calling. I knew my mama had told on me. And I wasn't going to answer that phone. So he came and got me the next morning, took me to his home and just, I just was tinkering around here. I was 36 years old. My, my kids are off doing their thing. I don't know if they were their dads or what, but it was just my dad and I, and he said, he's probably going to kill you. And I said, I know, I already know, but dad, I can't lose my kids. And when I say my kids, I mean his kids because they biologically were not mine and legally I had no right to them. And I say, I, I can't lose that. And if I leave, he's going to lose his shit. He will lose it. My dad said, yep, he's going to lose his shit, but he's going to lose it. If you stay, you're just going to prolong it. And when he loses it, he's not only going to kill you, he's going to kill himself. And he said, but that'll be no loss. <laughs> he said, he's going to kill himself. He's going to kill you. And he's going to kill anyone who's home. So that means anyone, anyone who's home. And it occurred to me that could be my kids. That could be my kids. And I left because I was willing to die and I was willing to let him, you know, do whatever to himself, but I was not willing to put the children in that space. And especially not knowing if I was going to see my stepdaughter, because in my mind, her being in that marriage 
made it so that I wouldn't have her in eternity. And I was only going to have her in the eternities by having him. And, you know, there's all this, it's not a physical binding that temple marriage, but it kind of is. And you only get to see certain people based on whatever level they end up in. And so I had this very skewed vision of what my future, what heaven might look like for me with those stepkids that weren't sealed to me. And especially with one who had gone astray. Would I ever be able to see her again? And and I think that's why I held on so much to that life. But when I finally left, we left in the night. My dad said, I said, I'll tell him I'm leaving because, you know, we have dogs. <laughs> and so that way he can be home for the dogs. He was driving truck at the time and was due to be home the end of the week. And this was on Sunday. I believe it was Sunday. And my dad said, no, no, you got to go now. He's going to come for you. And I said, no, he's not. He's working. He can't. And my dad said, you have to go and you have to go now. If you've told him you're going and he needs to be home for the dogs, he's going to come. And I just, I didn't believe him, but my sister loaded me up and we went to my home, put whatever I had to have in a garbage bag. And he did come. He was home the next morning. And had I been home that this story could have ended very differently. But it was after that, after I left, I was finally able to take that issue off the shelf because it was no longer an issue. The bishopric had changed. However, the bishop was very familiar with the story of my ex-husband and knew that I had been in a hospital, knew that there had been multiple domestic issues, and he wanted me to come talk to him. And I said, no, I'm not. I can't come talk to you because I knew he would. I knew I would go back if I talked to him. And he threatened to take my temple recommend. And I said, fuck it. <laughs> I didn't care. And I didn't go back. And I would have ended up back in that marriage had I gone in and talked to the bishop. So I'm glad I didn't do that. But I was able to take that off the shelf and really examine it for the first time because I didn't have a temple recommend at that point. What was I going to lose? I didn't have a husband to lose. I no longer had the fear of losing my stepchildren because I had lost them. He made sure it was really awful for a while. I've reconnected with them. Thank goodness. But he definitely did spiral. He's an addict and he went back to meth. And I believe he was on meth while we were married. I don't have proof of that, but his behavior tells me he was. And, and I, he definitely was before we got married. So I no longer had anything to lose. And so why not examine it and figure it out? And I could not find any answers. I could not figure out where from Joseph Smith to my bishop, where was that breakdown? And so that led me to believe that maybe there were bigger issues and more things I didn't understand than I had realized. Now, I think it's important to note, I never read the CES letter. I never went to any anti, I've never watched the Godmakers, which from what I understand isn't even anti, it's, it's similar to the CES letter. But I never went to anything that was not church information church history and experiences because I didn't want to hate the church. My family loves the church very much and I love my family very much and I don't want to hate the very thing that means the most to them. So I never did I never did read any of that stuff and I did, I finally find I didn't know who Fanny Alger was. I had never heard of her. I didn't know anything about the rock and the hat which I guess is a fairly recent discovery or whatever, but I never looked at anything negative. So uh, everything that I left the church over was my experiences and teachings from the church. I felt like that was very important that I not leave on someone else's anger. 
Yeah, I totally get that. And so you left the church. And how has it been since you've left? Life has been so much better (laughs) since leaving the church. It's been the worst part of leaving the church is that ache that I left in my parents. And I know that because my daughter left the church when she was an adult. She was actually my stepdaughter and we have reconnected and I have two amazing stepchildren through her. But I am very much, so it's been five years for me, just over five years. I left August-ish of 2016. And I, that first few years was rough because I felt like I lost everything. I felt so lonely. I hear people talk about leaving the church and like having, um, being able to go out and feeling so free. And I just felt such a sense of loss. I just felt so sad. I didn't even know, I didn't know what the next month might look like for me, what the next year, what, I mean, eternity was like not even something I could consider. I didn't understand why God had forgotten about me. I felt like he had just put me on this planet and let me get sucked in to this religion that I couldn't trust. And so because I couldn't trust that and the feelings that came with it for 36 years, I didn't trust myself. I didn't trust anything. So the first few years looked kind of bleak. I started to figure out that maybe I didn't actually even believe in God. And that was rattling. I think that when you're raised with a belief system like that, losing that is not freeing. (laughs) It's, It's really hard. I got really sad. And almost a year after I left, I found myself self-harming heavily. Here I was 37 years old and ended up, and I ended up having to go inpatient over it. And so it it was not easy. I got out of the hospital and decided like I was going to figure out how to be okay. And for the most part, I think, I don't know if anyone's 100% okay, but I think for the most part, I've gotten there. My family was a huge help in that they never judged me. I have six living siblings, and then my parents are still married and alive. And they invite me to go to church. And if I'm around, I'll happily go with them. If I can sit in sacrament meeting for an hour and hold my mother's hand, of course, I'm going to do that. I don't care what the speakers are saying. That doesn't bother me. But my family never made me feel ostracized. They never made me feel like I was had made a mistake. And even though I knew they felt that, you know, I mean, my mother will say things like, you know better, or we taught you better. So, you know, stuff like that kind of sucks to hear, but it's never to be hurtful. And I know their intention is always to make sure that I know that I'm loved and I'm welcome back whenever I'm ready my sister one time, I was just so sad. And this was maybe it was within the first year of me leaving the church. I actually lived with my parents for a year after leaving the church. And my sister lived next door. They, Everyone lives on the same farm we were born and raised on. And I was crying. I was just so sad. And my sister, she just cried with me. And she said, I'm so sorry that you are so hurt by the church. And it wasn't, she wasn't mad at me. And she didn't say she was sorry the church wasn't true. She didn't say anything that she didn't believe. She just felt sad for me that I was sad. So knowing that, knowing that she believed I was sad because I had given up the gospel, she didn't throw that at me. She just felt sad with me. And so my family has watched me go through this 
process of leaving something that I loved very, very dearly. And even though they don't agree, they have done nothing but try and support me, try and be there for me through that sadness. So that I think has been like a huge help knowing that even though I'm the only one who's left, I'm the only one who's broken their hearts, they are always there for me. Well, that's good that they have been there for you. A lot of people, when they leave, their family isn't there for them. That's something I hear over and over again, that they are no longer connected to their family. My family will invite me to women's conference every year till the day I die. And it's not because they're trying to shove the church down my throat. It's because that's where they find happiness. That's where they find joy. And they want to spend that time with me. And I'm grateful that I recognize that and that I'm not jaded and saying they just want me. It's all about the church. It's all about the church. Of course, it's all about the church because that's their lives. That's what they love. And they're trying to share what they love with me. And that's important to me. You did ask what it looked like since leaving. And, you know, like I said, the first few years was rough. The last few years has been pretty great. (laughs) It's been like once I realized that um, I was actually really okay. I was okay without a God in my life. I was okay without the temple. I still did probably more charity work than I did in the church. Charity work is very valuable to me. I love being a mother. Growing up, all I ever wanted was to be a mother. And it's something that I felt like I was good at and feel like I have succeeded at. None of that was taken from me. I think that it's common to have a fear of if I leave the church, I'm not going to be a good person anymore. In the last few years, I've been able to take a step back and realize that that was a totally well, while it was a fear that I don't want to invalidate my feelings, but it was a completely like invalid fear because I am who I am. And it didn't take a magic man in the sky to do that for me. I think it's just kind of built in to be good for most people to do good, to want to help others. And it didn't, I didn't need religion for that. So discovering that religion wasn't who I am and losing religion didn't take me from me losing religion. I felt like I just lost everything, but realizing that I lost nothing when I lost religion, I gained my Sundays, you know, and coffee, but I literally lost nothing in losing that has made it. So it's gone really good. I married again and I also divorced again (laughs) and going through the last year through that divorce, that was not even a terrible thing. I didn't have people shaming me. I didn't have I didn't have to go to church every week and explain to people why my husband wasn't there. He actually is pretty great. My kids, his stepkids rent rooms from him. And I was able to go through that process without having the church hanging over my head. And, you know, divorce in the church is a very uncomfortable thing. And I did it three times in the church. And So these experiences, these life experiences seen through a lens other than that within the church as a church member are so much easier. And I didn't expect that. I thought that it would be a lot harder living life without God. So things have gone really, really well the last few years. And now have you officially resigned or are you still technically a member or you just don't go? That's a good question. And an interesting, I'm the only one I know who resigned for this reason. So I was never going to because I thought it would just hurt my family. And there was no reason to hurt my family. If it wasn't true, my membership didn't matter anyway. Like it didn't bother me that the Release Study Sisters called or, you know, that my son was actually still preparing to go on a mission. Membership didn't bother me. So I was never going to resign. However, my third husband, he was the 
he, we were married for five years and he was the one who I had stepchildren. He was my violent husband. When I left him, he said, you're never going to get away from me. We're sealed and you will always be mine. We will always be together. To him, that temple sealing gave him a power and ownership of me. And I realized he ended up remarrying within months. There was a protective order from her and he divorced. But I realized that at some point he was going to want to be sealed to someone. At some point, he's going to have another Alma the Younger conversion and want to be sealed to someone. And they have to reach out to me when that happens. I know because when my first husband remarried, they reached out to me. I didn't mind. He married a, a, an incredible person. And I was like, yeah, welcome to the family. Not at all thinking that it was weird that they reached out to me, but you know, that was way back. So I didn't want that. I didn't want him in my life in any way, shape or form. I didn't want the church reaching out. I know when you have to write that letter saying that you approve a, a second wife, I think is what it is, is approving a second wife. You have to tell them why you got divorced and I can't remember all the details, but you have to give detail that's that's none of their business. And that detail would have been very triggering to me. And I just just didn't want to go through that. So I did resign. And after I resigned, I went through Quit Mormon and I emailed my ex-husband and the bishop. And I actually think I had his mother on that email too, just in case he had changed his And all I said was, I'm no longer a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and any contact from any member of the organization or, and I named my ex-husband and his family, would be harassment, would be considered harassment, and I would move forward with charges if that happened. So really, the reason I resigned had nothing to do with the church itself and everything to do with keeping myself safe. So I have resigned that was June of 2019. So it's been just two years. So you've resigned and you're happier now. What is one thing you enjoy doing now that you didn't do, get to do before when you were still a member besides drinking coffee? Beer. I love beer. Come to find out, I could possibly be considered a beer snob. I don't mean to be, I don't mind cheap beer, but I travel a lot in my, my mini events and My company is worldwide and I travel quite a bit within the United States and I can really appreciate a great microbrewery. And so, yeah, I definitely not drinking in general. I mean, not that I don't like drinking, but specifically beer. I absolutely appreciate beer. And I guess the fact that there's so much like history and stuff in beer and coffee. I go to Duluth, Minnesota and Duluth, Minnesota, they can do beer, they can do coffee. And you really get to know the locals. You really get to know um, the area when you go into these tiny little breweries and coffee shops. And I don't know, there's a way to connect through beer and coffee. (laughs) So probably beer is my favorite. And what are three tips you have for people who are looking to leave a high demand religion? Oh, Jesus. Slow it up. Slow take it slow. I know so many people have just charged right out of the religion without really considering where they're going. And I think if you take it slow, you 
somehow end up on a journey that you should be on as opposed to running to whatever you can as fast as you can. It's not, it's almost like leaving a relationship and running right into the next one just because it's there, just because everyone says that's who you should be dating or what you should be doing. So that would be my first tip is to take a slow. My second one is to be careful who you deconstruct to. You and I met on Exmo TikTok community, which is actually where I learned about Fanny and all the things I really I'm sad over with the church, but I see so many people on that platform and on other social media platforms who are leaving the church and are just fresh out a few months, even a year out and deconstructing publicly and discovering things and then talking about their feelings. And all of a sudden they say something very controversial or damaging, something that they may not understand It may not even be true. And then they are triggering someone else and they're causing damage and spreading misinformation. And so my second tip would definitely be to deconstruct privately before you take that elsewhere so that you're not hurting people in ways that you have no idea that you're doing. And then my third would be don't lose your relationships. You know, the relationship with my family obviously has changed. I can't go with them for temple nights. I don't go to women's conference with my family, depending on if I go to some of it, I will, but they tiptoe around me. They they don't trust me with that information anymore. They, they don't trust me to be able to bear their testimony and have me accept. And, but at the same time, they do trust that I'm not going to be unkind or mean to them. Now, a lot of people would want to cut off a relationship like that. A lot of people say, I'm done with these relationships. I can no longer relate to these people. That's not necessary. Don't run away from people that you love just because you don't see eye to eye. If you can possibly figure out how to still coexist, I think that those, I think that will help keep you grounded. Um, And I am not saying that is true for everyone. Some people absolutely have to cut their family out because they are toxic and terrifying (laughs) when you leave the church. But when possible, I think keeping those previous relationships is so important. So try to do that. Well, those are good tips. Anything else you would like to add before we go? I don't think so. I just really appreciate you having me on. I, it's been it's been nerve wracking to me because I just feel like my story is so insignificant. I'm just another person with just a normal life of leaving a cult. And so I, it was, I was really excited when you asked me, I don't think I have anything else to share, but I will think of all the things I didn't share after we're done. Cause that's how it works. But no, it's been great. You've really just given me the floor and I appreciate it. Well, thank you for coming on and have a great night. Thank you. Thanks again for joining us today. As always, I want to give special thanks to our sponsor and friend, Corporate Design Solutions, who has generously made it possible for this podcast to be a reality. If anyone is looking for help protecting their digital info, please email Michael at helpdesk at corpdesignsolutions.com.